Hello and welcome to Tales from the Hooks Season 2. I am, as always, your host, Katie Kelher, otherwise known as Katie Cranes. Thank you for coming back for a second season. In this season, we go even bigger, bolder, better than before. We've got a large range of guests from a large range of places telling their life story, giving their insights and giving us things that we can think about and work on in the future. Stay with us, buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hold on tight for season two. On today's Tales from the Hook, we have the inspirational Andrew Curtin, the man behind this podcast, the one who talks me into it. We find out from Andrew what it's like starting up as, I'm going to say a media mogul. He probably won't agree with me, but starting up in media in the construction industry, starting up construction wave. And we also delve into Andrew's past and how he got to where he is at the moment. This podcast has been very kindly sponsored by our friends over at Libra. If you want to find out more about Libra's products or brilliant innovations, please click the link at the bottom. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to the podcast, Tales from the Hook. How are you today? All right, Katie. Good to, good to be here. Um, working together, obviously, a good while now. So, yeah, delighted to be at the other side of the microphone and have a chat. Yeah, thank thank you for coming on. I do really appreciate it. And I guess the reason I wanted you on is because we do work together on this podcast. You are the one that pushed me into doing it um, and that told me that it could be done. So I think from my point of view, it's quite important to tell your story as well because I get on here and I tell everyone else's stories and go through it. And I think it'll be quite interesting to hear how you got into what you got into. Yeah, sure. It's uh, more than happy to, to get stuck in. We can give people a, a summary as well of how we actually got this podcast started in a, a greasy spoon in West London. We can should talk we, about it. Should, <laughs> should, should we do that first? Should we do that first yeah. before we get into you? Uh, yeah, everyone. Um, I reached out to Katie. I think a friend of mine introduced us. Uh, and I said, yeah, let's bring it for breakfast. And it was probably the biggest shithole in West London um, near the... <laughs> HS2, um, which HS2 project area? Old Oak Common. So I was, Old you Oak just, Com- you collared me at the right time because I was on site that day, locally yeah, to where uh, you were. And we're in the basement um, and I think there's still a smell of grease off that t-shirt I wore <laughs> that, that, that day. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, like, it's like Sid's calf from Only Fools and Horses. And um, yeah, we, we, we mapped out a plan and uh, somehow we managed to land a sponsor that does nine billion pounds a year in turnover and we've we got him as sponsor as this podcast and uh we got libra on board they got behind it we got our first few interviews and uh yeah here we are now a year and a half later or something like that yeah it's been i mean this is season two so it's it's been a little while. i must i must say when when you kept messaging me <laughs> asking me about to meet up and talk about a podcast you know me i'm reluctant with everything anyway i'm a bit like that and um, and I didn't know you, <laughs> so I'd like just been connected to you, you by either, someone yeah. else. And I was like, oh, go on then, yeah, we're coming, we're going to meet you now, because I was in the area and it was easy for me. And I, I tend to lean towards things that are easy for me. And um, initially, I wasn't sure about it, was I? I was like, oh, a podcast, because it just sounded like a lot of work. And I thought, I'm, I'm just busy all the time anyway. And you were like, no, come on, it'll be really good. Let's try it. And I'll do all this. I'll take all this work off your hands. And 
and make it really simple. And I thought, you know what, let's just go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just, you know, scrappy at the start. We got it going. Um, got the word out there. I think definitely coming into this series, uh, it's a lot more streamlined. Yeah. Um, so you like to think it is anyway. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I, I just, we can chat more about uh, construction we have in a while, but uh, we don't cover um, plant on, on day-to-day stuff and you know we knew uh, there was demand there for us um, and yeah we we wanted a, a podcast arm you know and uh, yeah ended up being a fantastic partnership reaching out to you yeah good friends now eh? yeah we're good mates <laughs> yeah. no you know it's been brilliant let's go into you then that's 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 enough about the podcast let's do it thanks thanks for the podcast i'm really enjoying it it's been fantastic um mm-hmm. about you andrew so you grew up where did you grow up uh i grew up in a town called yall in the east cork um southeast of ireland so uh and you know dungarvan um a big town along the east coast in waterford about 15 minutes here on the cork border so um yeah grew up there um moved to london in 2017 uh done a year in chicago before that, working with Kerrygold, the famous butter brand, uh, <laughs> and I got it. I, my visa was over. Um, you went to my, Chicago with Kerrygold butter. Yeah. Really, Jesus. Yeah, and uh, loved that. Um, working holiday for a year, and um, yeah, my visa expired, and I got contacted by a recruiter in London, and uh, moved over there. Yeah, six six years ago. So I mean, <laughs> you're education wise we were talking about this a little bit you're i mean I, I would call you heavily academic you wouldn't quite call yourself heavily academic but you you went on to do a master's in marketing and everything didn't you yeah done an undergrad um in economics um and then a master's in belfast in in mark in marketing excuse me uh and yeah i loved that master's and yeah, the next couple of roles after that were yeah in the marketing space with Kerry Gold, um, and then moved to London. It was ad agency stuff, uh, so that was always my um, that was always my kind of passion and academic background. I always enjoyed that stuff, um, and yeah, always. Well, well, probably there is a difference between media and marketing. Just to mm-hmm. get it out there, so an ad agency is not the same as the Financial Times. Um, it's a different model, it's a different business. Uh, and I always kind of liked the publisher um, model more than the ad agencies, because ad agencies are fucking tough. You, there are lots of, lots of people, small margins, lots of client revisions, lots of hand-holding, and I hated that. Yeah. Um, so I love, still love marketing, but uh, kind of like it the way I'm doing it now is trying to build a brand more so than servicing agency clients. I mean, but so you moved to, how old were you in 2017 when you moved to London then, Andrew? 24. I mean, that's quite a bold move. You just thought, oh, stuff it, let's just shoot off to London. Yeah, I suppose when you're only an hour away on a flight, I always kind of came. Yeah. (laughs) I always came over here as a kid and there's so much, you know, there's so much, um, trade between the two countries as well there's always people from my hometown living in london and back and forth and stuff so it wasn't that much of a deal but when i was a kid when i was in 2004 christmas 2004 i came over for a week um or sorry a weekend uh, and i went to 
it was one to West Ham and Leeds at Upton Park. That was my. It was a Friday night kickoff, and I was like, Jesus, this is an insight now into you know, East London, <laughs> the old Upton Park. Um, but it went into Regent Street, and I was like, Yeah, when I'm older, I'm going to go over to London. And uh, yeah, nine or yeah, no, not twenty years later, but fifteen or whatever years later. Um, Still in. Yeah. So I came over. Um, yeah, I loved it as a kid, and then moved over. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's brilliant. I mean, because you've been on, you've had like I did look through your job history. Uh, oh, you've geez. had quite a few different positions throughout the years, and like you say, you worked in Chicago for a while. I didn't know it was with Kerry Colbert, so that's a that's an interesting mm-hmm. one. And then you mm-hmm. kind of you got to a point in what two thousand and twenty two, and you thought, "Stuff this! I'm going to go out on my own. I can do this." Um. So I actually say it was a bit, a bit before that. Uh, I done a year work, uh, employed in London, and I guess because of the Irish construction community and people knew uh, I was in marketing and being involved around the circles, I started to pick up some like freelance work. Right. Uh, and I had a, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder as well, and said, like, "Right, I can do it on my own." So I matched matched my salary with the freelance work. Done that for a few years. It's tough going, actually. Like it was, it's quite tough work, as I said that, and that's kind of where I found out that you know, the, the ad agency, creative agency, consultancy stuff probably isn't for me. Um, but however, along the way, I was working with one of the tier one contractors, uh, and they just said, "Andrew, you're not going to be a millionaire doing this," you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and they just said, "However, there's probably." more need than ever for better media in the right. industry better better journalism uh, and it's much more scalable and i always enjoyed media I like i like reading business news and podcasts and you know events and stuff like that so and i had that bit of experience i guess it wasn't 100 you know wasn't completely different so i said you know what um there's need for another publication and um end of may um yeah, completely bootstrapped, racked up a bit of credit card debt and got construction wave off the ground. Um, yeah, so first few months just finding out what I was doing, really. Uh, got a couple of you know clients on board when the advertisers just gave me a shot, really. Um, I hired our first journalist, Rory, who's still here now, and who was doing a cracking job um, and more journalists to come in November last year. So... Um, yeah, and, and here we are in yeah October 2023, a couple of more people coming on in Q1 next year, starting to go into events. Um, yeah, enjoying the ride, but like I mean, any business, it's risky. Tough. Uh, to it me, is... Andrew, that sounds risky as hell. Knowing, right, you're living in London, probably mm-hmm. one of the most expensive cities in the world. You've probably mm-hmm. got a, a massive rent, massive mortgage that you have to pay. Uh, to live where you're living plus mm-hmm. all the bills everything else so how do you th- how do you throw caution to the wind like that and just you must have really believed in yourself uh, lots of days you don't that's yeah. that's for sure and um it's still yeah look honestly um it, it's tough going anyone who sets up a business like don't be reading TechCrunch and all these things about fantastic you know success stories it takes a lot of work you know um as i said racking up 
I don't advise anyone to do it. I didn't go into a whole lot of debt, but still, when you're, you know, it was a lot to me, you know, having like five grand of an overdraft and you're just constantly maxing it out every single month. And, you know, a couple of times where you're just living on frozen food, for a couple, I went to that stage, you know. Um, so, um, but there's something about it, like there's something about that feel like you're making a difference and you're, you're, you're creating a better product that engagement with people, the feedback, the, the, the hustle. I, I like that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I'm really, really enjoying it. And I think we're starting to make some, some progress as well. Yeah. I mean, construction is an interesting one. Cause that, I mean, looking through your history and, and everything you've done before, and you know, being the specialist in butter that you are. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And cheese. They sold cheese in America as well. Yeah. The Calvita yeah. specialist. Being the, <laughs> being the specialist in butter that you were. Why why construction? I mean that's quite a that's quite a leap. Um I guess you know I, they, they, should, they say you should always start a business around the network you have. Yeah. Um, and construction was my network. Like I play uh, Gaelic sports, I play hurling over here. Uh, and also back home, you know, my, a lot of the guys I grew up with were carpenters, electricians, tradespeople. Um, and and yeah, they were just the contacts I had since I moved over. Um, and, you know, it, it just was a lot easier to get moving being honest, Katie, do you know, um, do you know, it was just making a phone call and just say, listen, I'm getting going here. Can you help me get started and just getting people to do you a few favors? A lot easier when they're already in your network, but trying to make a network with people from a completely different industry who are not in your circle is, yeah, it's hard. So yeah, to make a long story short, I just went with what's close to my network. Which, which I get, cause, I mean, construction, as we know, is ingrained in irish culture there's a lot of top irish construction leaders out there i know you post about quite a few of them so it's yeah uh... there it is like um it's massive there's 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 an irish person on the board of most large companies over here if not started them you know so um the impact um irish construction labor have made on British infrastructure and, and, and construction industry has been massive so it's a major part yeah no and I think you know I think that's it's it's really interesting to find how people choose this they're almost a specialist subject and how they mm -hmm. get into it and I mean what when we're looking at construction wave explain what construction wave is to everyone Andrew yeah construction wave is uh, an executive publication um, for any anywhere between the project manager to the C-suite in these large contractors and subcontractors. So nearly yeah, over 10,000 executive readers uh, read, read our content. Uh, every morning, 7 a.m., you'll get our newsletter, which is our main product. So you wake up in the morning, you have your news you need to know in, in two or three minutes. Um, and, yeah, we're all about how can we make, you know, executives... Uh, make the better decisions every day through our information because that's what we're there to do really is to find out new information to help people um with their jobs um and yeah we've we are starting up our events now as well because obviously there's a huge um you know pent-up demand since the back of covid 
Uh, and to be honest, just some advertisers said to me, Andrew, you need to get into events or we're not going to spend money with you. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I better start events, that, you know, and like, but, but it, it was always in the pipeline. Um, but uh, doing events and meetups and stuff and just trying to build that community, um, you know, can construction have a good community? It just needs to be probably highlighted a bit more and, and we're trying to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, we try to have, have our own voice. We We do different things. We have a... A very, very famous uh, quote of the day at the end of the newsletter, which people love. Um, I jo jump, jump, jump on once a week and do a Good News Weekly article on the newsletter just to say it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, and yeah, we try not to take ourselves too seriously as well. What I like about Construction Wave is, compared to other construction media outlets out there, is that you are impartial and you are helpful and you do seem genuine in your approach to everything we like to think so anyways um like um we, we definitely like to keep neutral and, and look from things from a holistic uh, point of view you know um yeah we, we definitely you know it's definitely more than just about the money and building a fantastic media company this is definitely an opportunity to 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 create more awareness like i, I was just on um we done um a webinar with uh, Rory, who's the head, head of editorial, and he talks a lot about it, just the brand of construction, how he's passionate about that image of construction. So, um, so we definitely care about that 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 more. You know, we like to say we're in the industry, uh, reporting on it within the industry, not from the outside. You know, we're, we're, we are part of the construction industry. We're reporting on it every day. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. No, so, I mean... When you're looking, I mean, Construction Wave, like we're talking, it's, you know, it's an independent outlet. You're not aligned to anyone. You do tend to be a lot more genuine, a lot more helpful, as you've said. But sort of, I want to go back a little bit. And when we're looking at, I think what's really interesting is how people start up their own businesses. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, I mean, what pushes you to be an, an entrepreneur? What? Because I, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could go balls to the wind and just go stuff this i'm gonna just max everything out i, I know i can do this on my own because i don't think i could do it on my own yeah I've, I've been thinking about this a lot uh lately um and yeah um just to go back a bit like um my dad had a local construction business um from about 20 years in my hometown uh and he's such a nice man and really good employer but 2008 came and um you know business wiped out overnight um and when you employing friends of family and stuff like that who are tradespeople and you know they have to be made redundant in a small town uh, in ireland it's, it's not the best feeling um and i remember coming home from school so, some days and like my mother would be literally crying her eyes out uh, like in her bedroom because you know, one of our best friends' husband had to be let go by my, mm. my dad, unfortunately. And it's just, I remember, I remember it clearly just seeing her in a room as I was putting my school bag into my room. It was just, it just wasn't a nice feeling. And, um, and, and, and yeah, I, like a couple of years on from that, um, I was in a nightclub and I was just turned 19. Um, and I came out of the nightclub and, um, just someone jumped over a crowd and gave me an, a, like a really bad headbutt um, and I was got up and said what was that about and it was like um, 
Your Dad Owes Me Money from a few oh, years God. ago. Um, and I hadn't a fucking clue. Like I, I was like, I was literally a kid and I'm like Halloween out with my mates and then coming out of the toilet and I just get a headbutt from a guy in his 50s. Um, and I think that kind of, I was starting going into uni then and I was like, right, I, I, I like to do something big after I get these few years out of the way. Um, so those types of things, like it's a dark time, like like obviously my parents are in bits and getting assaulted in a, their son getting assaulted in a nightclub. Um, so that kind of stuff just builds a bit of fire in your belly that I'm gonna fucking go out and do it, you know. I I'm just you know I'm I have something to I have a point to prove here. Um, so yeah, it's a dark story, but um, these types of stuff just wear into your into your veins, you know. It, it and do you know what and I do I do get it you know because with my Irish background and I actually my family house isn't too far away from where Andrew is but um I get it and I don't think many of our London listeners will get it and how these small kind of towns and everyone knows each other and everyone's kind of related to each other and the whispering and the talking and the I mean that's that's a savage story I didn't know that all about you and I think that's that's horrendous and I think 2008 was and I know my uncle had a few problems and things and built a lot of houses and then everything went went pot and um it caused a few issues and stuff so yeah it must have been really yeah. hard for you yeah it was it was difficult um it was it was difficult and you know I suppose the hard thing is that every, everyone knew that um my dad ran a property and it was a good man and stuff it was just just one person um who just destroyed it all um and, and yeah there, there's more things happened as well other members of my family but um i can only talk about myself here um so yeah that type of um experience definitely rubs off on you uh, and you just you just feel like building something for your, yourself then so, you know i don't i don't know the psychology behind it but you just build something and i i think you know you listening to that story and what you went through and when I look at construction wave and what you're trying to do and these kind of you do a lot about, you know, regaining debts and trying to help people get their money. And you you do share a lot of the unsavory stuff that happens to people. And you think it, you, do you think that's kind of like you stepping out against this kind of injustice almost? Um, I, I think maybe yes, subconsciously, yeah. I, I hate I hate to see. Um, I hate to see, you know, cowardly play. Um, but I I think as well, uh, more for more macro is that, uh, unfortunately, there's just a bad time in construction at the moment, and we hate reporting on insolvencies. But when they solve, when insolvencies are affecting thousands along the supply chain, they just have to be covered. Like, uh, um. We broke the Henry story back in June when Henry's construction went into administration, and like it's an awful story to you know to, you know to break. Um, but we got texts from people that said, "Thanks, I was worried about you know my contract for a long time, and I needed to know." So um, you know, so at least you helped a couple of people who are like wondering what the hell has happened. Um, but unfortunately, construction is just going through a, a very 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 tough time. Um, and these stories are affecting a lot of people so you have to you have to cover them um but we tried to counteract that with good news as well you know 
Yeah, no, I do. I do notice that, and it is. It is for everyone. Sign up to the newsletter. It's well worth getting. It's a, it's a really interesting one, and it's very easy to do. And Andrew doesn't charge you, and he's not paying me for this sales pitch. But you should sign up anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's next for Construction Wave? So we're we're talking about events now. I know your event is looking to be massive. But I know from your side, because we talk quite a bit, that this is this is a big thing. This is a this is a big output from you guys, isn't it? Yeah, rolling the dice, Katie. Just <laughs> like or literally, we need to do something big. The industry needs something big. Uh, and yeah, just you know, you have to go with your gut sometimes. Um, um, yeah, so we're launching our events. Um, you know, at the moment. Uh, we're starting to do more meetups and stuff, which we haven't done in the past. And I regret not doing that, actually, because you know yourself, Katie, um, construction's very much face-to-face, shake your hand, you know, see into your eyes uh, and stuff like that. Um, but because of all the insolvencies, late payments um, and technology and technology changes um, and, and stuff like that, we dug into our data and said, look, lots of people are, you know, struggling about what's actually happened from a financial side of it these like large projects and stuff nobody really knows where the money's coming from do you know it just it just seems to pop up you know um so we're launching uh our construction cfo summit in on the february 19th um 2024 and it's not just for cfos it's for small business operators it's uh, for large tier one contractors and cfos and their financial teams so um we just feel there's a real need for people in the industries to talk about where's the money going in 2024 what's happening where what should i look out for should i look at restructuring stuff should you know banking you know family offices all the people that are like pension funds all these types of you know establishments that are funding construction just to get more clarity on care what's happening on the money side of it we know we know labor's in the crisis you know you know the we know getting labor on sides getting a is, is 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 a crisis um and you know we know interest rates and stuff like that but like we don't actually know um we don't we never get insights from the cfo's point of view and the people with the money on like what, what's going to happen for the next year we, we usually find out when it's just too late yeah no and uh, i think i think it'll be i mean I'm, I'm looking forward to it i know it's a it's a big stress for you guys at the moment because there's a lot of work in organising that I mean I wouldn't know where to start so again balls to the wind Andrew going for it yeah Katrina Bellard um, our events director has been amazing for this just mapping it out Uh, really good venue at Northumberland Avenue just off Trafalgar Square Um, so yeah really looking forward to it but look if one company can come in and just come away from the event and say right I I feel more confident now about my finances and what to look out for, and maybe some technology or some some relationship I built that can make my business uh, more structured and sustainable. Then that's a success for us. Look, we don't we don't expect to blow it out the park event one. We just want to put on a, a really good event, good content, the right people in the room, um, and, and yeah, just get look. We're afraid to talk about money in construction, even though it's all money. Yeah. You know, everything we're everything's turnover this and that, but we never talk about what's left over. You know, we, we never talk about how we can structure things. So let, we need to be more transparent about money because you just need, especially in times like this, like you know, you just need to kind of get more educated around it. 
Is that there's a lot of mythical money in construction, isn't there? It's kind of like you don't know where people are plugging it from, where it comes from. It's a bit like the cancellation of HS2, and suddenly there's all this free money, but it's not really free money because it's not actually money that's really there. It's yeah. mythical money. And as well, people don't like it's mythical money, and um, as well the payment side of it as well. There's certain companies that are better getting paid than the others and we'd like to yeah. uncover that more do you know what strategies they can do or technology they can they can use to to improve cash flow and and, and stuff like that so um and, and just talk about this mythical money inverted commas as like where is it actually coming from because nobody has an idea so i think people should know that no i think it'd be really i think it'd be really good i think it'd be really good for the industry i think it'd be for me it just seems like you're hitting a slightly different angle than a lot of events and conferences and things out there and not something that i've heard being done before so yeah it's really exciting yeah thanks Katie. looking forward to looking forward to it so what so back to you construction waves so how many people you got working for you now um so we've three with us now um and it's it's probably going to be five in q five or six in q1 um next year so we'll be cautious about headcount. We're, we're not just going to... Yeah. The good thing about uh, media is that you can get a lot done with uh, a small group of people. You can get a lot of work done uh, with a group of people because um, we're digitally, mainly we're digitally focused. Um, but to, to be honest, I'd say by the end of the next year, it'll be 10 because we'll be expanding on our events a bit more. Um, and yeah, we'll see what happens after that. Um, but keeping it tight for now and uh, yeah, conscious of headcount and just make sure we're getting the right people in rather than too many people in. No, I think it's, you know, your, your growth has been fairly rapid, I would say, from, you know, even when we were talking and you didn't have that many people at the time working for you. And Nobody. We <laughs> <laughs> I was being nice there. Yeah, you were being nice. <laughs> It was just you, <laughs> but I, I mean, even I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was being I was well, being tactical, Andrew, for once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I guess um, um, you know, I guess we, we had a couple of hire, a couple of hires in the journalism side that weren't the right fit, um, and then we're back in the market for now. So we are taking our time with that because you look, you know yourself, Katie. Um, it's hard to get the right people you know you get plenty of applications but getting the right person so uh but yeah we, we just think there's a good opportunity just you know we're covering a lot of the main contracting and larger projects um infrastructure and stuff like that at the moment we just think this is a platform uh it's not just going to be construction wave we'd like to start going into adjacent markets eventually as well you know um commercial real estate you know fit out is a big part as well okay. that doesn't really get enough done utilities and stuff like that so we, th we think there's a an opportunity in the future just to, to spread our wings a bit um you know because listen it's 10 percent of gdp in the uk you know uh it the, the economy depends on construction and you know it, it would be nice to um yeah go into different markets and see how we could support that no, it's exciting. I look forward to catching up with you. Well, I catch up with you all the time, but I, I look forward to seeing where you guys are at 10 years because, I mean, you've certainly got the drive to make it happen and the will far, far more than most people that I talk to and far more than me, Andrew, because you wouldn't catch me putting everything on the line <laughs> like you did. <laughs> so, but well, it's worked out. It's worked well, out. Well, you kind of, like, you kind of have your own gig, don't you? Like, 
between the media stuff, um, you know, it is like running a little business. You know, you, you've built up the audience for yourself. There, there is there is a bit to think about. Would you would you not agree? Yeah, I, I suppose so. I mean, there's you know, I guess it's kind of a a sideline, isn't it? But um, it's not even a sideline. It's it's done more out out of love than money. I don't earn money from it as such. So it's um, the things I do outside of the day job i think it's not it's not even really for me i think it's for other people it's for industry it's to make young people aware it's to make um people aware that there are opportunities out there to do different things i that you know i always think i sound a bit like i'm got a bit of a god complex or something going on when i say that but i think it's important i think awareness around the industry is really important so i think putting a bit of extra time into it won't kill well, me. You think um, because people look up to you, Katie. Um, do you do you think construction lacks that leadership awareness? Like, I remember Barry Hearn. Do you know the the boxing promoter, the uh, matchroom. He uh, his son Eddie does it now, but he was like the snooker back in the eighties. It was boring, and then he started to create characters. He was like because people take notice of characters. So he's like Steve right. Davis. Steve Davis, you wear the white shirt, you're the boring guy. Jimmy yeah. White, you're the South Londoner who loves to have a bet. But if you look across certain industries like the tech, you know, Musk and Bezos and stuff like that, you know, you have real standout leaders who who, who have voices, whereas construction is a, it's a lot more recluse. And I think, I think, do you, do you find that? Yeah, I, I guess it is. It is. And there's, it, it's, it, there's a real, it's funny you said about snooker because the only reason I know, like, these snooker players is because my mum and my auntie and stuff used to watch it back in the early 90s and I just remember sitting on the floor counting out do you remember embassy cigarettes and yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd count be counting the cigarette tokens and looking through the book to see what we can buy <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> collecting them in a tin but yeah anyway I digress um yeah I think you know we do what we what we lack is role models we lack senior role models we lack on the tools role models and then there is a bit of a wave at the moment and you know what dare i call it the influencer wave but um they are it's been a slow industry to get up to the rest of the world almost um mm. so there's influencers in everything beauty whatever hair furniture absolutely everything bakery um and we've been a bit slow on that uptake but all of a sudden there's been like a massive spike of influencers kind of tiktok um instagram and, and people are actually making money out of this which is quite ingenious by endorsing products the way other influencers do not not that i in construction, in construction. you're miss you're missing a boat Katie, i know <laughs> Look. You want to go and make you want to go and make a few quid for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, you know. That's why when people call me an influencer, I'm like, no, <laughs> no. It's really influencers make money out of these things. You're a LinkedIn but, voice, not an influencer. A li I'm a LinkedIn top voice, yeah, not an influencer. But um, yeah, there's like this this real strange wave of people going on and earning money out of promoting products and tools and. I mean, even I got a message from a company asking me if I wanted a skill saw to promote. <laughs> <laughs> if I yeah. wanted a skill saw. <laughs> I was like, um, maybe not. Maybe. I mean, I can just stand there with it and 
cut a bit of wood if you want, but yeah. It's, um... <laughs> yeah so yeah, I think I think we <laughs> it has been lacking, but I do think it's kind of it's spiking. Yeah, we probably see more skill saw influencers as we progress now through the, through the years. You know, so looking forward to that. <laughs> Look, it's not just skill saws; it's hammers. There's all sorts yeah. of stuff, out. and there's a lot of people yeah. doing it. There's a lot, and, but what problem is? This is the, the the whole problem with construction is people think that things are free. People think that they can just hand out products, and people will put up free posts to massive audiences of you know eighty thousand plus and. It doesn't cost them anything, but they're slowly jumping on board that they have to pay for influencers. The way the yeah. West of the world does, and the way that other industries do. It's yeah, um... from all, on a serious note, like we get inbound inquiries and, and stuff like that, and there, a lot of the marketing teams, especially from contractors, they're really really poor when it comes to knowing about the price of stuff. They're, yeah. you know, like whereas. You know, different industries they know that they have to spend more and have a bigger marketing budget but i find with some of the contractors the like they probably just don't believe in marketing that as much and they just probably don't you know marketing's a skill and you have to have a good experience and sometimes you see people who are no disrespect but in the hr department who move to the marketing department and like they ju just don't have the same uh, experience but when you're dealing with you know publications and marketing agencies and stuff to make it work you have to spend you know significant amounts of money you know two and three grand a month isn't going to set the world on fire for a large contractor you know i tell you when you're talking then about you know, marketing budgets and things i tell you it does a really good job of this michelle hands you know guest from uh previous season mm. but um yeah. she I know she takes quite a strong stand on it now and she won't talk at events and things like that because people do have budget. Here's what happens in construction. People have budget, but they don't want to spend it. So they'll say, will you come along and do this talk? And they won't mention anything. And she's kind of like, well, what's in it for me? And I think mm. they've got away with it for so long that people have done talks, people have given you know, these educational speeches, done these different things and never asked for anything for it even though people have to take a day off work and do all these other things and we're, mm. we're almost kind of like grateful for the opportunity we're in you know any other industry people get paid for their time yeah um absolutely i've so we'd have some interesting requests from our side yeah like yeah like i remember having discussions and it won't be naming names but like you know, companies looking to pay us if, you know, the advertisement turns into a customer. It's just like, that's oh, not God. how it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, if you're not willing to invest the money, I suggest, you know, you, you probably spend it on something internally. Um, and, and, it's, and it's annoying, but I think it, it, it's slowly getting better. But I, I think from the construction side, people in boardrooms look and say, sure, I'm not going to win any work from this. You know, we're, gonna, we're not going to win work from this. And I agree with him. You're you're probably not going to win work from, you know, spending ten grand a month on, um, you know, a social media agency or something like that. However, uh, your employer brand, aka your recruitment marketing, will become a lot more, um, favorable to people who are applying for jobs with construction companies, uh, and that's worth a lot of money if you actually have a credible construction brand, uh, mainly 
geared towards attracting the best talent. And I think that's the one that gets missed out a lot. For example, I'll give you a different industry example. Uh, Virgin advertise about three to 4,000 jobs a year and they get 150,000 applications. Wow. Um, and if that's that's brand, you know, yeah. that's that's what it is. That's they, they know who they are. Like they put out a, they put out a, a post online and through different channels and then just bang, everyone knows who they are. Uh, and that's what I'd like construction companies, if I had one wish, is just like they think about more that side of things because uh, the younger generation are on their phones all the time and their construction companies aren't communicating to them properly. So why would they apply for a job? So that's something maybe some of your listeners might get thinking about if they're... It's that skill shortage piece. And funny enough, I was talking about it at an event yesterday and um, it was I was telling people their best recruitment tool is the people that already work for them and giving them mm. freedom to talk about how they love their job. And and it's again, it's marketing, it's social media, it's tapping into those untapped markets. I tell you, you do do branding very well, Libra. And I, I know I know they sponsor, but they do branding magnificently. Yeah, they have a good brand built up. Shout out to Wolfgang and Tobias and all the team. You know, I definitely have a good brand built up. Like I hadn't a clue about cranes before, you know, I met <laughs> you and but I'd still heard of Lieber, you know. Yes. That's it. So So yeah. Um yeah, de- definitely. Fair play to them. Oh, they've nailed it. I, I don't know what their recruitment teams, but I imagine every job that post they put out, they don't have any problems filling it anyway. Yeah, I hope so, Anya, but I, I definitely think, yeah, for construction firms, you're probably not going to win work, but you'll definitely find an uptick in some of your applications and good it's, applications. It's definitely about brand. And look, when I used to do, you know, all my posts in, in cranes and on site and things like that, people say, oh, you're the face of select. <laughs> and, and, and it become, you know, I got known as the girl who was a crane operator for select. And mm. I think, you know, and it, and it opened it up to all these other people. So a lot of my followers, okay, a lot of them are in construction, but some aren't. And mm. Quite a portion of them aren't. Suddenly everyone knows who Select are. You know, everyone knows who Langer Rock are, but not Select, that kind of arm of it. And then suddenly everyone knows who they are because there's people posting about them and there's people talking about what they do there and all these great opportunities and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's people's best tool. But anyway... I digress. You digress. Andrew, thank you for everything. You've been fantastic. Thank you for everything, Katie. It's it's you know it's been great working with you, and you know it, it's great fun, and you know we're becoming more and more good mates, and you're a great person to bounce ideas off, and hopefully we can continue. You know this in the future as well, and. Um, yeah, I really appreciate coming on the, the podcast as well. No, honestly, I appreciate you coming on. But you know I'm going to ask you one question to end the podcast on. What's one thing we can all do to make the construction industry a little bit better? Um, I think... I think... I think... I don't know what way to phrase it, but... There is quite a harsh side to this industry. Um, you know, the the effing and blinding still exists on site a lot. Um, and I just think there is quite a lot of bullying still happening on sites. And I think there needs to be some sort of 
regulated um some sort of regulation because people get abused in this industry uh verbally and i know friends of mine who just like waking up at three o'clock in the morning just dreading to put on their work clothes um and i i just think some sort of moderating on building sites whereas companies or some external parties um or some agency has to do it i just think and it goes back to being nicer i guess but i, I i'd go a step further and just needs needs to be regulated a bit more to the workplace environment especially on site um so make it short i think yeah we should have some either third party or internal resources dedicated to you know, checking sites, morale and, and, you know, bullying behaviour. Love it. And I agree with it. I agree with it as well, of course. But thank you for coming on, Andrew. It's been yeah. fantastic. Oh, it was a pleasure, honestly. It was, uh, I was absolutely delighted to come on. So thanks for having me. Have a good day.